Welcome to Proven and Probable. Today we're going to highlight the new copper kid in town riding in on a kangaroo. Our feature company has just announced their maiden resource on a world-class copper and gold discovery. But before we begin, as always, I would appreciate if you click the subscribe button, click the bell, and give us a thumbs up. Now, on to today's interview. Joining us for a conversation is Christian Easterday, the CEO of Hot Chili Limited. Mr. Easterday, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much for having me, Morris. <laughs> Glad to finally have you on the program to share the value proposition before us in Hot Chili Limited, which has just announced a maiden resource on a world-class copper gold discovery. Before we delve into the exciting news you have for current and prospective shareholders, Mr. Easterday, please introduce us to Hot Chili Limited and the opportunity the company presents to the market. Sure, Morris. Well, uh, I, I suppose we've... Uh We've been toiling away for a number of years over in Chile um, on the coastline, north of Santiago, some 600 kilometres. And we've really consolidated a, a major copper super hub, um, combining uh, quite a number of our, uh, our key assets. Um, our original and first uh, exciting discovery we made it, uh, along the coastline was Productura, um, some quarter of a billion tonnes of, uh, of, of copper and gold uh, sitting very shallow open pit resource uh, that we completed a, a large amount of work on uh, back in the last cycle where, uh, where copper was doing well. And, uh, and I guess uh, over the last few years, uh, we've, we've really transformed ourselves. And, uh, and that was off the back of being able to secure an agreement to acquire a 100% interest in, in a very, very exciting uh, discovery that, uh, that was made uh, only 14 kilometres from our key asset, um, and that was the Cordadera uh, porphyry discovery. So that was a private discovery that, uh, that had been made, and, and really the, the, the world didn't know very much, uh, well, anything about this uh, that, uh, that had occurred, and, uh, and uh, it was hiding um, some world-class drilling intercepts that, um, that had basically been, uh, been walked away and there was no closeout drilling. So we put a deal together that... Uh, that uh, allowed us to secure that asset um, at the beginning of last year. Um, we commenced drilling uh, that uh, project in April of last year, and, uh, and we started producing our first world-class intercepts, um, you know, 1,000 metre intercepts from surface at half a percent copper and 0.2 grams per tonne gold. Um, and, uh, and since that period, we've, uh, we've, we've recorded some six of the world's top 25 drilling results um, from Cordadera, which has really shot it to to, uh, to quite a quite a uh, enviable position within uh, within the global copper space. So um, last Monday was was a, was a very big milestone for the company. We were able to jump our resource base from a quarter of a billion tons to some three quarters of a billion tons, um, and now we're uh, we're sitting in a in a very very strong position on the ASX, really with with no other ASX copper peers alongside us, and we have. Uh, a resource base now of uh, 2.9 million tons of copper, 2.7 million ounces of gold, and some molybdenum and uh, and silver credits thrown in there. So, um, so a very very strong position, sitting with uh, with an asset that uh, that really looks like that the next step is, uh, is is going to push the company towards one of the very very few uh, non-major companies holding a tier one copper asset and. Um, and uh, so it's, it's very, very exciting for the team and for the company and for all of our shareholders to, uh, to have been able to achieve this. Well, I'm smiling ear to ear just like you are right now. It's uh, a multitude of catalysts and, and successes here, and I know you're delighted, and so are the shareholders. To set the stage for today's interview, you and I had a discussion last week regarding one of Rick Rule's many famous quotes regarding the differences between investing in gold and copper. <laughs> Would you mind sharing that with us? I thought it was quite intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, we're 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 in a market that is is, is uh, particularly in the Australian market, but but I think uh, across the uh, the commodity space, that's you know very excited about the the, uh, the the price of gold and where that's going. And um, yeah, I think when we were talking, I I recounted a uh, a story that uh, Rick had told me, and I'm, I'm I'm not sure I've got the facts uh, exactly correct, but but uh, he told me uh, that uh, that you know Christian, you you invest in gold. Uh, you know, as a, as a shareholder to uh, to buy your family, you know, its next holiday. Um, but you invest in copper for the long term to buy your your family a holiday house. So, um, you know, very very different investment space, very different time frames, 
um, and an almost an order of magnitude in, uh, difference in terms of in terms of value and and, and capital required to get uh, a copper project off the ground in relation to a to a gold project in general. So um, so we're in very in the very large copper space. We we uh, we set ourselves on a strategy to to. Uh, to be a junior that could break into that very elite class of, uh, of projects um, at tier one status, some 35 billion US in ground value um, generally is the marker in the sand on those assets uh, and 5 million tonnes of contained copper and above, um, which very, very few companies uh, hold um, that, uh, that have not been uh, taken out by a major or, or have a major um, that has a controlling interest in. So. Um, so yeah, Rick, uh, Rick very much knows this space, and I believe that uh, he was one of the early supporters of Ross Beattie and um, and that fantastic uh, wealth generation period that uh, that, that Ross uh, went through, where he picked up assets in a down cycle um, over in Chile um, and put these large assets together and uh, and, and and simply um, enjoyed a, a, an extremely uh, an extremely profitable period as those assets turned into multi-billion dollar assets from um, acquisitions that were, you know, in the sub $100 million space. So, um, so you know, it is, it is, a, it is a space that, uh, that, that uh, you, you look at big, big value numbers and big capital numbers and um, there's no better place to be than to be developing a large scale asset um, in Chile. Uh, which is the home of big copper and where 30% of the world's copper comes from, from these type of deposits. Well, it appears that there's a new lineage of wealth generation right here before us. You know, to truly appreciate the opportunity uh, before us in hot chili, we should first consider the macro picture on the supply and demand fundamentals for copper. And they're truly eye-opening, to say the least. Mr. Easterday, share with us the projected outlook for copper in the next 25 years. Well, well, the next 10, 25 years is, a, is, is quite a time frame, Morris. Um, we generally in this market are quite short-sighted in terms of what what, what does the next six months or, or year look like. So I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll address sort of short, medium and long term. And and short term, you know, I, I'll, I'll be very honest as anyone's guess. Um, you know, in such a um, volatile global market um, with, a, with a global pandemic, a once in a hundred year pandemic, uh, you know, upon us, um, you know, the, there's there's quite a number of things to be concerned about, and there's there's also quite a number of things um, to to really look forward to. But um, I think as I uh, I spoke to to a, to a uh, another um, interview, you know, I, I, I've certainly been 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 watching um, some of the fundamentals behind the medium and long term view um, out to 25, and and look, it looks very strong. We're we're in a a, a changing world that is uh, pushing towards renewables. And, uh, and electrification of the world is key to that. Um, so not just the the uh, renewable energy space, but the um, elect the the EV space in terms of uh, automobiles, you know, is really going to transform copper consumption going into the long term. And and so I think that that most people know that macro story, and um, and it's uh, it paints a very good picture for players that are in in the long term copper business with large assets um, as opposed to high grade short life um, more, more associated with with a, with a gold investment profile so um so we certainly have that to look forward to um you know your your uh, your key people in the industry the robert friedlands that um that are that are masterful at talking their own book um you know very much know that thematic and uh, and know that they're holding the assets um that are undoubtedly going to receive um extreme value transformations um, over the long period, but if we move to the to the medium term, which is which is where I think um, most of the uh, of the copper players are, are really positioning, and most of the uh, copper majors are, are, are clearly um, trying to gobble up most of the the large assets in the world. Um, you know, I think that uh, that you look out in the sort of one to two year space, and 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 it looks very strong, um, particularly for a global recovery. Um, upon a, a vaccine being uh, introduced to uh, to really get the the uh, the, the market moving, um, but if we look in the short term, um, you know, and, and qualifying it with uh, with what I said earlier, you know, the uh, the space is uh, is is fraught with uh, with with you know um, uncertainty, um, but but interestingly enough, you know, this has happened three times in the last hundred years, um, bull markets. Um, not just across gold, um, you know, are, are always 
are always, uh, you know, follow a, a, a precursor event and the precursor event is, is often uh, a bit of a stall in the global market associated with the Great Depression, uh, associated with, you know, the Asian crisis. Uh, and, and, and this has really happened before um, when everyone thinks that the, the world is about to shudder to a halt. And Dr. Copper is, is really, a, you know, one of those commodities that is a barometer for, uh, for global growth. Um, it's interesting that, uh, that we see some of the largest bull runs in the commodity space um, that the world has seen. And, um, and we're seeing that now. Uh, we're seeing uh, a, a, a real shift in the, the purchasing of, of copper um, from the Chinese and, and, and a real scramble to get, a hand, to get people's hands on, um, on stockpiles. Um, so we've seen a real rise in the amount of consumption going on at the same time as a, as a pandemic is really sort of choking off the ability of the copper industry um, to respond. And against all of that, a real fundamental problem with the copper industry is global discovery. The global discovery has a rate for major copper uh, fines around the world has, has really fallen off a cliff since 2014. So to be sitting here with one of just two major uh, copper discoveries globally, really since 2014, and we, we have Maramaca that was um, discovered and recorded by S&P Global in 2016, um, uh, a smaller oxide copper discovery, a very good oxide copper discovery uh, in, in Chile also. Um, but really, you know, Rio Tinto and Hot Chile uh, are the beneficiaries of, of, of the two most recent copper discoveries, Winu for Rio Tinto over here in Western Australia, and, and of course, Cordadera, um, which was just uh, just uh, announced to the world last year and now has culminated in a, in a first resource of some 450 million tonnes um, from surface. So um, to be sitting in that space and, uh, and with these problems that, uh, that the supply of copper um, is really being choked off by, by a real decline in, in global head grades, and a decline, more importantly, in new copper supply, a new copper supply that uh, that you know that can meet that um, growing demand in the world. And speaking of copper, the company just uh, released your maiden resource on the Cortadera Copper Project, which has really placed Hot Chile in an elite category among your peers. Sir, walk us through the maiden resource because this is truly an eye opener. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not every day you you uh, you, you drill. 17,000 metres of drilling in, in less than one year, um, on top of 23,000 metres of private drilling that was undertaken. So we're talking about 40,000 metres of drilling. Um, and that's produced, uh, you know, nearly a half a billion tonne uh, initial resource on Cordadera. So, you know, it, it really speaks to the, to, the, to the sheer potential of this, uh, of this deposit. You know, um, we haven't actually closed out the, the discovery zone um, the discovery zone is some 2.3 kilometres long, um, comprising three porphyries from surface and extending to to almost 1.2 kilometres uh, vertical depth. So these are vertical ore columns um, that the company has really just started getting its teeth into. Um, and if it wasn't for the uh, pandemic that hit the world this year, we probably would be keep continuing to drill and pushing that discovery towards what we believe is the is the ultimate potential of, of circa one billion tons. So we've gone early with the resource, and because of the quarter of billion tons that uh, that we had in resource space at our um, productora asset, some 14 kilometres away, what we've been able to do is bring together uh, the Costa Fuego project that we now refer to, um, which is a low altitude play, 800 metres altitude, Pan American Highway going right through the middle of us and a cluster of deposits that accounts for some three quarters of a billion tonnes at about half a percent copper equivalent, um, all deposits from surface. So Cordadero is, um, is certainly the centrepiece. Um, most people know that we have a high grade core that we discovered um, you know, only, only a year ago um, is supported really by about nine drill holes and is already over 100 million tonnes at a, at, a, at a very strong grade that certainly competes with some of the biggest underground uh, copper mines in the world. So, so, um, so a lot to be excited about in the next phase of growth with Hot Chili, but certainly, um, you know, you go early with a preliminary resource and you come out with circa half a billion tonnes uh, within a year with very little drilling. I, I think people, 
can see the uh, the ultimate potential of this deposit and um, and where it goes next. You know, I admire the the intangibles just as much as the tangibles because the intangibles they're not discussed in the resource. And I'm referring to the commercial success and the business acumen that really define the success of management and the technical teams uh, respectively. You have to tell us how were you able to acquire this project because it just seemed to come out of nowhere, <laughs> basically. Yeah, look, I'd love to tell you we've been a company that just just turned up yesterday and and have had this amazing success and we sit with the largest copper resource base on the ASX now and, gee, one of the largest gold resources, you know, not forgetting we have 2.7 million ounces in in, in gold as a credit. Um, But look, you know, if we step back, you know, when we step back to to when we founded this company in 2008, um, privately backed by our chairman, Murray Black, to go over to to Chile and, and try to break into the to the copper sector there as a junior, which is a very very difficult thing to do. You know, Chile is is really owned and dominated by the by the major mining companies in the world. So, doing deals in Chile has has always been viewed as expensive. They have a no use it or lose it policy, which makes it hard to be able to actually um, break in and get get good land position. So, you know, we, you know, the story of hot Chile is one of um, is one of grinding it out and persisting and developing very strong partnerships in country. Um, you know, it took uh, many, many years of me living over there and refusing to leave uh, leave some of the companies alone until literally they, they would do deals with me probably just to get rid of me. So um, so I suppose, you know, um, persistence is part of the hot chili DNA um, and deal-making is really one of our biggest strengths and being able to partner with some of the major mining companies and also some of the very large um, high net families that, that really control all of the leases outside of the major companies. So um, we, we go back to, you know, a period where Hot Chili um, had a very great success out of, uh, out of its um, ASX listing in 2010. Three months later, we, we, we really hit uh, a, a great discovery in Productora and, uh, and that drove a lot of value in the company and we, we, we pushed that through and we're one of the stars of the market in the copper space back in 2013-14. Um, and then, as most people know, the commodity uh, market uh, hit a bit of a brick wall. Um, copper uh, price fell off a cliff and, and really that dried up the amount of capital available to invest in, um, in big copper. Um, so, you know, again, speaking to our persistence, it was, uh, it was sort of four or five years of being on life support from our major shareholders, including uh, the likes of Rick Rule. Um, supporting management and supporting a, a vision to build a major copper play on the coastline of Chile um, at low altitude. So that was what kept us going and, and, and why uh, why we never ran away. We, we had the backing of some very reputable people. And uh, and so we sit here today, you know, we, we used to be amongst 40 peers on the ASX in the copper development and exploration space. And I, I couldn't put um, names on 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 my fingers at the moment. You know, we're probably less than five peers, and uh, and now we're the largest through through that persistence. But you know, to to get to to uh, to the crux of where where we're going with uh, with the question, Morris. Um, you know, it was a, a few years ago that uh, that a report fell off the back of the truck, so to speak, and uh, and we found out about. Um, this this private discovery that had occurred, and 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 when the results of that uh, that that short report hit hit my desk, and I I looked at this thing, uh, you know, my my eyes nearly jumped out of my head, and I was looking at you know Sol Gold drilling intercepts near one kilometer intercepts from surface, and when we got our hands on the data, um, without the without the knowledge of the owners um, uh, of of this project, it it had been handed back to uh, the Corolla family in Chile. Um, you know, a very, very wealthy family in Chile that operates its own mines and geez, owns department stores and portfolio of 400 uh, retail properties and and, uh, and business chains across Chile and Spain. Um, that group had, had been given the, the project back and, uh, and we were looking at the data. You know, the key thing that I realised was this deposit had basically been walked away. This discovery did not have that close-out drilling and um, and we were looking at something that was, it was a blank canvas um, so they had put an estimate on this thing, and I not for once believed that that estimate was representative of what was sitting there. So we went about two years of trying to convince the Corolla family that uh, that this naturally should sit with Hot Chili to be able to bring this project forward, to be able to um, apply heavy investment into this, 
and for the township of Vyanara and, and that local community to be able to unlock a major copper development on the coastline and, and employ a lot of people and something that uh, that that most Chileans really you know hold true to their heart that uh, that uh, it was it was uh, two years of negotiating with the Corolla family and really uh, it was probably a, a case of um, them telling me and, uh, and 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 my key legal advisor Jose Ignacio um, just to go away um, we don't sell assets. We don't sell assets to BHP or Lundin. Why would we sell an asset to you? So, um, you know, it was it was really about a relationship build, and and, and most of the deals that, that that I've done in Chile are, are years in the making. And so, two years while we were watching our share price price get ground down, it was a, it was our master plan to bring Cordadera together with Productora. Um, so we were able to pull off a, a thirty million US dollar deal. Um, over 30 months um, in scheduled payments for 100% acquisition. And I remember doing this deal back in February of last year. And, you know, at that point, uh, our $250 million company was sitting at $10 million value. You know, we were at one cent a share. And I think most people were stunned by what they were seeing with the results we showed that, that uh, of this private discovery. Um, but at the same time, we're absolutely aghast with with how in the hell is Christian and Hot Chili going to be able to afford this project? Um, and it's it's funny how life works. You you, you take on an opportunity and uh, and you, you you spend all of that time trying to get that opportunity and and most of the people in Hot Chili were sort of, you know, holding their breath for what happened next once we started drilling it and um, to have drilled you know, our first pass RC drilling program to confirm that the drill results on the diamond holes that were at surface, um, you know, actually the results were, were real and the, the assay data um, could stand up to scrutiny. Um, and then to turn on a diamond rig, drill rig, you know, in, uh, in, in probably about May uh, and drill one hole, that looks good. Um, we, we went for an extensional hole first. And then again, as we were compiling the, the data on this private discovery, we, we, we came across the, the reports from a very well-esteemed porphyry expert that had been guiding this team um, on the Cordadera discovery. And, uh, and his final report to his boss, probably trying to convince his boss to keep the asset and we should keep drilling, um, was that um, we think we can see that the main porphyry, which is you know now, um, gee, nearly 800, 900 metres long and 600 metres wide um, and vertical over 1.2 kilometres. But back then, you know, it was the the, the, the early beginnings of, uh, of Cuerpo 3, um, which means body, body 3 out of the three major porphyries at Cordadera in the Discovery. And it was that this thing is getting higher grade. Give me some more holes. We'll test this concept. So unfortunately, um, uh, that guy and that team uh, did not get to test that concept. And as soon as I saw that, I asked the team, to turn the mast vertical and I want to drill down this thing and see whether this thing is getting higher grade at depth. And, and you know, the rest is history, as they say, you know, 750 metre intercept or one of the best intercepts going around in the last two years. But we hit uh, near 200 metre zone, you know, running at uh, nearly a percent copper and uh, and half a gram gold. And, uh, and wow, did our eyes um, open at that point. So, uh, so that's when we were um, we were rushedly speaking to guys like Steve Garwin about this, and um, and uh, you know we're very very lucky to have Steve Garwin, who's you know, one of the key um, architects of the uh, Cascabel discovery and the growth of that asset with the whole Soul Gold team, which are, you know have done an amazing job building a 10 million ton uh, copper play with some 23 million ounces of gold um, up in Ecuador, and really is one of the leading discoveries globally. Um, so to have Steve Garwin come over and say, you know, I'll help out and I'll lead your team to, to guide us through how we're going to model this and target this. And yeah, I guess the proof is in the pudding, you know, six world-class intercepts now and um, and, a, and a maiden resource of nearly half a billion tonnes um, within a year. Um, yeah, it uh, speaks volumes. Sorry for the eruption, folks, but I do want to remind you, everything we're covering today with Mr. Easter Day you can find in the description box below. And if you like our content, I would appreciate if you click the subscribe button, click the bell, and give us a thumbs up. Now, back to the interview.
This is exactly why I always reference the, the virtues of having proven management. What I heard in this, this narrative right here, I heard resiliency. I heard determination and vision. And that now produces success, not just for the company, but the shareholders. And that's what it's all about. You have to have champions with proven pedigree of success. And that's exactly what we have right here before us. And then you blend that in, of course, with with the maiden resource. And you made a, uh, alluded to this uh, prior to uh, the commentary there was the gold credits. Germane to this discussion should be the gold credits. How do they fit into the organic growth of the company? Yeah, look, gold is a very, very key um, commodity for us. Um, obviously, copper is the is the the dominant value uh, that uh, that we hold within our portfolio of deposits in Chile. Um, but you know, it's it's you know, I see a lot of commentary in the gold sector about the the gold majors starting to look into the the, the large porphyry copper gold space, and and you know, it's very real. Um, you know, I was a gold geologist for many, many years with uh, with some of the Australian uh, more notable companies, but but also the Placid Domes of the world, and 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 cut my teeth in gold. So um, back then, I, I remember I used to go to a biannual conference that uh, that talked about the biggest gold discoveries in the world. And gee, over over my twenty odd years in this industry, I've seen um, you know the start of my career where we used to find plus million ounce golds, gold deposits. I, I remember you, you couldn't get into this conference unless you had um, at a minimum uh, a discovery. Uh, I think it started at probably about three million ounces of gold. Um, gee, and that that, uh, that new generation's gold conference held over here in Western Australia, um, you know, there's not many gold deposits that sort of sit in the plus million uh, ounce gold space now. So. The, the gold industry is also having a tough time finding large accumulations of gold in one deposit. So, so it's, it's, it's probably pretty natural that, that they start looking over into the copper gold space where, where uh, you know, the, the new crests of the world have fantastic deposits like Cadia and, and, and we spoke about Soul Gold. You know, 23 million ounces of gold sitting in, uh, in, in Alpala at the moment and, and obviously some very exciting exploration upside that's um, playing out at the moment. But... You know, to, to have a 23 million ounce gold deposit just on its own, gee, um, yeah. I think that probably marries with uh, with one of the biggest deposits that the gold space has been trying for many, many years to get up and developed, which is Pascualama, you know, sitting at 42, 4,600 metres altitude with the border of Argentina and Chile going through the middle of the, the pit they try to develop. Um, you know, that, that thing is, what, $6, 7000000000 billion now stated development value for 23 million ounces of gold. So you get that as a credit now in a, in a porphyry copper gold deposit. And importantly, you, you've actually got the primary value attribute, which is the, um, which is the, uh, the copper, which uh, if you want to look at it from a gold perspective, wow, you, you, you're getting all your gold for probably, uh, I don't know, um, the lowest quartile of production costs in the industry. Um, so these deposits um, are immense stores of of metal and uh, and gold is, is is one of those things that um, that really now has the gold space looking into large porphyry copper gold just to be able to get their hands on big gold um, deposits and uh, something that the uh, the gold industry is finding hard to find these tier one gold deposits the the five and the ten million ounce plus deposits they're very rare. Now I did reference elite category did I not earlier. <laughs> yeah. hey, question for you here are you so no no 2.7 million ounces is a, is a good yeah. start but um yeah. you know we'd like to see that go to 5 million ounces in our next step that would be fantastic absolutely question for you here sir are you fully permitted on the cortadera yeah we we, we uh <laughs> I, I guess we're not an overnight success as we just discussed with the persistence of hot chili um you know it takes takes a takes a bit to to knock the hot chili team down we're, we're uh so we've been at this for a while, and 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 that means you know out, outside of um, um, the, your question on permitting, um, which is which is a yes, we're, we're we're fully permitted. All of the leases that contain all of our um, our deposits or resources, mineral resources now, and and, and in fact um, all of the deposits that will be mineral resources shortly and added to Costa Fuego's growing inventory, they're all on granted mining leases um, that uh, that we. We uh, make sure that we have to uh, to secure all of the all of the title 
Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of permitting, um, gee, having spent 100 million US on our Productora asset, which is now just a very large satellite for Cordadera, 14 kilometres to, to the west, you know, we, we've spent a lot of money on a pre-feasibility. Um, I spent many years uh, securing um, infrastructure access agreements with uh, our, our major partner at Productura, um, which is uh, Chile's CMP Cap Group, um, one of the big three. Um, they're their uh, largest iron ore miner and steel fabricator and infrastructure business of Chile. So we uh, we brought them in for a 20% interest in Productura into that joint venture and, and they handed us the keys to the coastline of Chile. Um, surface rights, um, easement corridors for water pipelines, um, for access to water from the coast, um, for electrical uh, easements. So we, we, we spent, spent a lot of time um, setting up the infrastructure situation and, uh, and, and some of those, uh, those access agreements, you know, those things take eight, 10 years generally to be able to actually secure in Chile. And, and actually in the background, we've, we've been, we've been uh, trying to secure our maritime concession on the coastline to, um, to be able to extract seawater. You know, that's been seven years in the making and, um, and hopefully we're not far off um, being one of the very few juniors in Chile um, to actually have a maritime water extraction license. So, you know, Morris is a very good question because a lot of people don't see all of the work that goes into building a mine Building a mine is a very, very hard thing to do, and it's getting harder. And so your social license to operate and having all of those things in place, you know, mean a great deal to any large developer hoping to um, to transition into production, um, particularly, you know, into, into the major space. Before we leave the Cortadera, there's a multi-layered question I have here for you. What is the next unanswered question? When can we expect a response? And what will determine success? I think the next big, big question for everybody, having you know, the dust will settle a little on on, on the resource that's uh, that's occurred. But but you know, the market is very forward looking. So um, I imagine the next question for everybody is, um, where is the next big drilling intercept going to come from? Uh, and and most people know that we're drilling some very big. Uh, potential at the moment we're, we're, we're not just sitting and incrementally growing the resource you know that's still not closed out um, we're answering big questions such as you know we've just focused on drilling Cuerpo 3 and we've discovered this big high-grade core that gives us not just um, a great open pit situation but a, a potentially very large um, high-grade underground development opportunity so what happens when you drill Cuerpo 2 at depth? We haven't done that yet, and we've got a, we've got a hole going down underneath that at the moment. Um, and, and let alone what happens when we actually get over to Cuerpo 1 and drill that, that small little porphyry that doesn't have any drill holes underneath it either. So I think the next question for the market is, where's the next real big leg of growth going to come from in this project? And um, we even have a a, a, a drill rig up at a very, very exciting look-alike target to Cordadera, which unbelievably sits two kilometres away, an entire two-kilometre zone that shows um, this, a similar footprint um, to the footprint of the Cordadera discovery um, that really unbelievably hasn't been drill tested yet. So we just started our second drill hole on that. So I think the next question for the market is um, how does this sort of you know, near half a billion ton play. How does it become a billion tons quickly? So we're answering that question now, and I imagine over the next few months um, we'll be skirting around and drilling all of these these uh, these big growth uh, targets, and uh, and uh, and we'll we'll hope to answer that very quickly. Um, so hopefully that's answered your question. I think there was three parts of that question. I probably got through two. What determines success? Yeah, well, look, what determines success for us? It's at the end of the drill bit. Um, you know, I think that, uh, that, that, that the market wonders, you know, where everything goes to from here with, uh, with hot chili. You know, we're sitting in a space where <laughs> we've just defined something. Uh, we're we're um, up amongst the North American players, which dominate the copper sector um, on, the, on the development pipeline and, and, and really holding all of the big assets in the world. So we're, we're like a... We're like this curious thing probably for the North American market. You know, we're, we're, we're a big copper player that's just arrived on the back of a kangaroo. So, um, you know, it's, uh, 
it's uh, for success for us is, is being able to play up in the big space um, amongst the copper uh, developers and, and, and as, as, aspiring ma- um, next copper majors um, that are generally in the 100 to 500 million space. And, you know, to be sitting in, in the ASX where we don't have a lot of peers, um, it's about translating that um, value proposition to our market um, because, uh, you know, at the moment uh, we've, uh, we've just defined uh, probably one of the next very few tier one uh, discoveries um, to be being put to uh, the global copper industry. So success for me is our next step. It's at the end of the drill bit and it's about pushing our near 3 million tonnes of copper inventory to 5 million tonnes and doing that rapidly. So to do that, we've got to go and answer those big questions. What happens at depth on these other porphyries? Are there other high-grade cores? Do these porphyries come together at depth like what has happened um, for Solgold at Cascabel when they started drilling deeper? And, uh, and more importantly, do we have another one two kilometres away? So um, it's going to be a very, very exciting, probably three months, six months, certainly a very exciting year as we, as we, we answer those questions initially and we focus on building this resource as rapidly as we can. New copper kid riding in on a kangaroo. Pretty clever there. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> All right. Switching gears, let's get into some numbers. Please share the capital structure for hot chili, sir. Yeah, look, we, we, you don't go through uh, 10 years in the market and surviving five years of downturn without having a beaten up capital structure. So I I, uh, I have around about 2.4 billion shares on issue um, and fully diluted, sitting around 3 billion shares. So not dissimilar to, to, to where the Soul Gold guys find their capital structure. But, um, you know, a very wise person said to me, uh, you know, is it is it um, easier to go from 40 cents to $4 dollars? Or easier to go from four cents to forty cents. The equation is the same. Um, we really look at this as, a, as as what's the value of the company, the market capitalization of the company, and we are putting a value proposition to take our company, which at the beginning of last year had got down to ten million, and we're putting a value proposition to the market to build our company towards a, a one billion dollar market capitalization. Um, that is that is the aim, and that's what sits underneath that capital structure of two point four billion dollars uh, shares on issue. And I imagine that most people can do the maths on what that multiple looks like um, at the end of this journey. So, uh, so our capital structure is around two point four billion shares. Uh, we're trading, um, I think, at around four point eight cents today or four point nine cents today. We just took quite a large leap forward uh, yesterday in the market and. Um, and since this resource announcement, we've been seeing a huge amount of liquidity in the stock. Uh, yesterday, we had near, nearly $4 million traded. So um, so certainly we're getting the attention. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, we uh, we have a, a very exciting period ahead for our shareholders. And we're, we're very fortunate to still have uh, quite a decent treasury um, sitting around $4 million in the bank. And uh, and you know we're uh, we're we're advancing uh, well with uh, with option money coming in and and part of the the aspect of the hot chili story which is also very important is um, we're about to see first commercial cash flow um, into our business from a lease mining and processing agreement that we have with the government of Chile um, at our Productora asset where they've uh, a couple of months ago just commenced uh, mining some of our high grade material and and being able to fill up their local processing facility some 15 kilometres away in the township of INR. And, and that's been um, not not really about cash flow, um, although that uh, that really helps the company out in terms of its expenditure and its working capital position. Um, but more importantly, that's about our relationship with the government and with the local community and safeguarding jobs. And, you know, we have a, an aspiration to build a very large copper production hub and, uh, and if we can help out local jobs and help the government out in that, uh, in that community, then, you know, it's a win-win for, for everybody. You referenced the uh, Treasury. Is that uh, cash and cash equivalents there, the number you provided? Yeah, just cash um, at the moment. So, um, so we, we, we have, uh, you know, uh, a weird situation where, uh, where our last capital raising put out two and a half cent options. And, um, and so we have quite a quite an inflow of um, conversion on those options into shares, which is providing, um, you know, inflow of cash into our treasury at the same time as we're spending. And uh, and next month, hopefully we'll, uh, by the end of next month, we'll see um, 
that supplemented with further cash flow um, injections coming in from that lease mining and processing agreement, um, which we're also in the process of dis discussing with the government, um, expanding that agreement, and hopefully we'll have some news flow coming out on that shortly. Well, that's not a bad problem to have some cash flow. <laughs> yeah, look, we're, we're never going to develop a tier one asset with that kind of treasury and even with those modest amounts of uh, inflow, but you know, it's very helpful and, um, and no doubt we're, we're a junior like everybody, every junior. If you get success and the results speak for themselves and, you know, and, and things are going the right way, um, the market um, well supports you as your share price lifts. And um, it's funny how each capital raising becomes less and less dilutive. And, uh, and more importantly, you know, we go back to where I started this, uh, this interview with you, Morris, where I said, you know, the, the reaction for the Cordadera acquisition was one of amazement with the drilling intercepts they were seeing and one of sheer sort of terror at how many shares we would have to put into the market to be able to fund this thing. Um, it's funny that that chorus of concern has, uh, has really, really dampened down on volume as, uh, as we've gone on with this. So, um, so, you know, it's an exercise of seeing an escalating share price um, being counterbalanced with the amount of shares that that uh, that the company may have to put out to fund this, um, but you know we 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 look at um, multiple funding scenarios and funding options, and we have very good dialogue with um, parties that have much broader fu uh, funding shoulders than than Hot Chili. But at the moment, you know, in in this market, um, in the market has been supporting me very well, and we have the the support of a number of large institutions over here in Australia, not least of all. Um, some of our large shareholders that have carried us through the, ba the bad times. How much debt do you have and what is your burn rate? We have no debt. Um, we, have, uh, we do have a, a historic debt facility that, uh, that we took out with our major shareholders with a convertible note. Um, that convertible note has uh, the equivalent of some 200 million pieces of paper against it. But um, look, that was an automatic conversion. Um, it converts automatically. I think we have about two years or 18 months left and all of that, those convertible notes become paper. Um, so our capital structure, you instantly add about 200 million shares to that. Um, but those note holders, um, while they hold the convertible notes, they, they enjoy a, a quarterly um, interest payment of 8% um, that the company can pay out in cash or shares at our elect that is based on a floating um, share price at the end of that quarter on a five-day VWAP. So as the uh, share price uh, increases, obviously we, we have to service that con note for the next 18 months or so um, with an ever-decreasing amount of shares um, to those convertible note holders. But um, but look, we, we assume that that convertible note um, is paper and so you can instantly turn 2.4 billion shares into 2.6 odd billion shares and, uh, and so we, we, we don't have a debt instrument with the company. We have an equity instrument that's sitting on our balance sheet. Um, that uh, is why I always talk about our fully diluted capital structure. You referenced major shareholders. Who are they? Look, our, our largest shareholder and our, our uh, spiritual leader of Hot Chili is, 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 uh, is, is Murray Black, our chairman. Um, you know, he's the guy that backed me when I was a young uh, geologist, uh, that, uh, that had a, had a bigger bigger uh, uh, ambition in the world um, to, to eventually run my own company. So, you know, Murray's uh, been, been my closest friend, my biggest ally, um, and the company, one of the company's biggest supporters. You know, um, the Kalgoorlie Group, uh, we sit at 10.1%. We used to hold a 19.9% position, but that has been diluted somewhat. Um, so we're still the largest shareholder, uh, and, uh, and Murray and, and the Kalgoorlie Group, which I'm associated with, um, have put um, well over $20 million of hard cash into the company to support it in each of the raisings that we've completed over the years. Um, after that, we have some very notable names, uh, one of them being the Taurus Funds Management Group, a private equity group over in Sydney, um, run by Gordon Galt and, uh, and, and represented on our board by Michael Anderson. They've been extremely supportive um, and shared the, the long-term vision of the company. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, we couldn't have done this without... Um, some shareholders like that, and and for the for the North American market, of course, um, the, the Rick Rules of the world and the Sprott Group, which which again um, were absolutely instrumental in Hot Chili still being alive and still being here today to be able to succeed in 
in actually executing this long-term business plan. Um, we also have, um, you know, local uh, large shareholders in in our partners at Productora, um, the Cap CMP Group. They 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 not just have 20% of our uh, asset at Productora in an operating joint venture, but they also you know have a large shareholding that they've maintained um, on our register, and so so you know some very very notable names and. Um, just sitting underneath the 5% level, we have a growing stable of very high net worths over here in Australia, um, sprinkled in with a, a growing institutional presence. Um, look, so they're not over the 5% line, so I, uh, I, I really am not at liberty to discuss those names, but um, look, I imagine in due course we'll see some of the um, Australian institutional and fund space um, probably growing their positions in the company. Those are some exclusive and reputable names you just referenced there. What is the float? Uh, the, the the free float in the in the company um, yes, in sir. terms of in terms of our, our cash available on hand. No, sir. Shareholders. Oh, in terms of our our, our shareholders. Sorry, float means a, a few things over in Australia. You'll you'll probably have to um, you'll probably have to qualify that, Morris. Uh, um, apologies for the, for the misunderstanding. No worries, sir. Retail investors. What percentage do they own? Retail investors at the moment, um, sorry, um, a float. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, what, what does our retail component look like? Um, we used to have a, a, a quite a small retail component. It used to probably comprise about 20%. Um, that retail component has grown to probably about 50% um, or, or around 45%. So we've, we've seen a, a, a movement um, to retail um, small mum and pup investors, and you know it's really represented by how many shareholders. Um, you go back to before the Cordadera deal was announced, and we might have had a thousand shareholders. You know we have nearly three thousand shareholders, so that tells you a lot. Um, we've probably seen a movement of about twenty five percent of our register towards retail now, but you know that's that's not uncommon for an Australian stock or even a Canadian stock in the in the in the resource space. Um, retail has been driving this um, resource boom re- or renaissance, if you want to call it that. And uh, in Australia, share prices are made and re-rates are, are instigated and sustained by retail investors. And, and that's been going on for quite a number of years. So the institutions and the fund space have really been taking a back seat to that. Um, they've been really instrumental in how the companies have funded themselves going through, um, you know, their, their re-rates and some very exciting stories that are really invigorating the, the market over here. Um, but it's uh, it's the retail investors that are driving this. And, and so the messaging that we have is, has very much pivoted towards the retail sector and um, and really trying to trying to give the retail guys um, what they're looking for. So um, so the, the, the retail space in hot chili or the float in hot chili is probably around 45% at the moment. Um, which means that the major shareholders, which we used to have 56% of the company in the hands of, you know, five players, some of the names I just mentioned, um, now those five players represent some 28% of the company. So um, it probably tells you a lot as to as to what's happened with the, the changing dynamic on our um, on our register. In closing, sir, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? <laughs> Look. Uh, there's, there's many things to keep a CEO up at night. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always extremely interested in my drilling report in the morning from, from, the, from the two drill rigs on the ground, and hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll push that out and, um, and have, have a further uh, drill rig or two on the ground in the coming months. But, um, you know, it's, it's all about what, what the next 30 or 60 metres of the diamond hole looks like um, on, on, on holes that are really exciting and they, they dictate um, the coming year for us. So, so that keeps me up at night from, from an excitement perspective. And then from a worry perspective, I guess, you know, it's this ever-changing environment in the market. Um, you know, it's, uh, watching the news is one of those things that, uh, you know, has your head spinning sometimes, especially what's going on in the US with the election and, um, and, and, and where that will push global markets. But, um, but you know, at, 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 the, at the moment, um, having just gone through such a really intense phase for our company trying to to produce a very robust resource figure that could be scrutinized um, by, uh, by by many independents that no doubt we'll, we'll have a look at that in the coming months um, you know uh, I sleep pretty well after not sleeping probably for about 12 weeks <laughs> and um, 
and going through that resource so thoroughly that we ironed out every little thing that we couldn't understand or or it didn't make sense and you know why is the block grade of, of the block model here and why is the assay grade here these things don't make sense and you know absolutely spending 12 weeks of my life hunting down every little aspect of that resource that could make that bulletproof and representative of the uh, of, of the world-class asset that is coming together so now I'm, I'm sleeping pretty good but um you know you do wake up at two o'clock in the morning and and go and have a glass of milk and try to make sure that you can actually get four or five hours of sleep and uh, turn your brain off. So those are the things that keep me up at night. And if anyone's questioning uh, your veracity, I can vouch for it. You and I are 12 hours apart, and we've been in discussions here in the last uh, month and a half, and whenever I pick up the phone or send you an email, there's a response immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's one thing about you know, having your head office over in Perth where your family is and uh, and uh, and having all of your, your people and your operations over exactly 12 hours out. So we're, uh, we're, we're all of the people in hot chili are quite used to um, late night emails and conference calls and and, uh, and very early morning conference calls and emails, etc. So, um, yeah, we run a 24-hour business, and um, and management has got to be switched on 24 hours a day. So, yeah, it's, uh, you get used to it, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Last question: What did I forget to ask? Gee, pretty pretty thorough interview. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Maybe we can uh, we can think about that for next time, and uh, and hopefully I'll be able to give. Uh, Give some of your viewers um, an update, uh, and we can we can address some of the things that for for for, for now um, we'll uh, we'll maybe save some powder and uh, and keep it dry for our next interview. <laughs> Looking forward to it, sir. Mr. Easter Day, it's been an absolute delight to speak with you today. Wishing you and Hot Chili the absolute best, sir. Excellent. Thank you very much, Morris. I really appreciate your time today. Hot Chili Limited trades on the ASX symbol HCH. Hot Chili Limited is a sponsor of Proven and Probable, and we are proud shareholders for the virtues conveyed in today's message. Before you make your next bullion purchase, make sure you call me. I'm a licensed representative to buy and sell physical precious metals through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, but we have several options to expand your precious metals portfolio from physical delivery of gold, silver, platinum, palladium, and rhodium to offshore depositories and precious metal IRAs. Give me a call at 855 855- 505-1900, or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. Finally, please subscribe to Proven and Probable for mining insights and bullion sales. Subscription is free. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.